Good morning, friends, family, and guests to our service today. We've got some great news among our community that I get to share with you. This week, we've had two engagements, well, two that we know of. The first, Jared Morton and Kira got engaged this week, and also Miles Wood and Charlotte Edwards. So a special congratulations for them today. It's perhaps no secret to many of you that I love books. In fact, I own a book called I Love Books, which I bought entirely for the title. In my study, which is in my garage, there is a glass-fronted bookcase that's been largely inaccessible because of boxes and stuff for about three and a half years. But as we're in the process of sorting through things and decluttering, getting ready to move north at the end of this year, I've recently been able to open the doors of that bookcase again. While it's been blocked, all I've been able to do is look through the glass. And I've found myself occasionally peering through and reading the titles running my eyes along the spine, looking at the books that are in there, at least the ones I've been able to see. And just looking at them has brought often strange combinations of feelings and memories, good memories of the first time that I read a book, uh, mixed with later memories of reading the book or reading the books, Uh, as my perspectives changed and shifted on the, the things that were inside, as my relationship with the books deepened. In that bookcase are my most treasured books and also ones that I've always meant to finish and the ones I've never started. Those that I know the covers of but don't really know the content. For years now, my relationship with the books in that bookcase, both soul deep and others just a glancing acquaintance, has been frozen behind glass. For the first time in ages, I can take those books out again pick up where I left off, or begin over again. And as I was looking at them just this week, I was struck at how that's a little like our relationship as Castle Hill Adventist Church. As we've been gathering and we continue to gather, together but apart. We are looking through glass at each other, literally and metaphorically. We see each other in Zoom Sabbath schools, we see names popping up on the church chat down below, and that sparks for some of us pangs of missing our best friends, our closest travelling companions. For others, we see names and faces that are smiling acquaintances, and we miss the smile. We miss the feeling of being at home among familiar people and in a familiar place. For others, perhaps, this time of distance gives us the perspective we need to begin over again. Our broadcast services have been such a blessing, such an encouragement, keeping us in contact with each other on Sabbath mornings. Seeing us, seeing each other face to face, whenever that is eventually possible, will be even better. However, let me challenge you this week to make contact with a deep friend you've perhaps not been able to see and not gotten around to contacting recently. Let me challenge you to reach out to a smiling acquaintance. Let us continue to be the most loving church in everything that we do. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here with you this morning. And this morning, I want to take us to the scriptures to found in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. And we'll be looking at the the faith of the centurion. I want to suggest to you this morning that faith is central to all life. How many times, have a think about this, how many times have you gone to the doctor whose name you cannot pronounce 
and whose degrees you've never verified. He gives you a, a, a prescription that you cannot even read. Uh, you take it to the pharmacy you've never seen before. He gives you a chemical compound uh, that you don't understand. Then you go home and you take the tablets according to the directions on the back of the packet. All of this in complete faith. We require faith for the simplest of chores. What about this morning? Let us look at the more complex activities that we have in life. In the, there's a story from the Second World War, and it's the end of the Second World War. And members of the Allied forces were often found searching farmhouses for snipers and, and going through abandoned houses, and, which had been reduced to rubble. Searchers found their way into basements. And this particular time, a soldier had found his way into the basement of a crumbled building and a victim of the Holocaust had scratched a star of David and beneath it were written these words, I believe in the sun even when it does not shine. I believe in love even when it is not shown. I believe in God even when he does not speak. Pretty powerful words there about faith. To have faith and to believe against all odds in the misery of war, to believe in the sun, to believe in love and to believe in God, to believe in all this when people around you are dying, uh, when your own life hangs in the balance and when destruction is all around you. I, I, I suggest to you this morning, it takes immense faith, a great deal of faith. This morning, I want to look at those more um, parts of faith, uh, the faith in the eternal healing power of Jesus, to have faith that he can save us even when all hope is gone, to have faith that he, that he can help each one of us uh, because... The scriptures say he would. I want you to come there to that passage this morning. And it's, it's Matthew chapter 8. And, uh, and if you come down to verse 5, and uh, I'll be reading uh, from verse 5 onwards to about verse 13 there, the faith of the centurion. Matthew chapter 8 and, and verse 5, it says this, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve that you would come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority and soldiers under me. I tell one to go, and he goes. I tell one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to all those that were following him, I tell you the truth, that I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the king, in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. Looking at this this morning, there's three main points that I would like to bring out of this sermon for us to consider this morning. And that is these three points. Our need of healing, the need of healing that we each have, Christ is willing to heal us, and that we can have faith that he can heal. Let's have a look there at this centurion. Let's break it down and, 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 and look at who the centurion was, what a centurion, um, what, what, what it meant to be a centurion. Here we find the centurion. He's an officer. He's an officer in the Roman army. He, he, he's in charge of a hundred men. Centurion with a military backbone, uh, throughout the empire. Um, they were maintained discipline within the empire. They were to carry out orders from the emperor. On this occasion, we find that this centurion is asking for help. Why is that an interesting point? Asking help for his servants. Let's consider remembering that Roman soldiers were no wimps. They were strong, they were tough. They were, they, no Roman soldier was indispensable, especially a servant. But here we find a different soldier. Here we find a different centurion. Here we find a caring centurion. One who is asking from help, get this, from a Jew. Here a Roman soldier, a centurion, asking for help from a Jew. Romans, remember, ruled over the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. What does this say to me this morning? What does this say to us as we, as we look at it? Here was a centurion. He was a different centurion. He must have heard about Jesus somewhere. Somewhere along the line, he had heard about the stories of Jesus. He realised that his servant was in real need of help and healing, and he put aside his Roman pride, and he realised his need of help and who he should turn to. A a great realisation that, to be able to realise that you are in trouble and to be able to identify who can help. What does this say about us today? Do we actually realise our need for help? Do we actually realise our actual need for healing? When we look around and we just have to turn on um, the, the news, we just have to swipe on our and our and our, and our, our uh, social media tools, our our phones, we just have to listen to turn on the radio, and we see the effects of sin in our everyday life, um, the violence, the fury of nature. We see the sickness, the poverty, the injustice that invades this world, that has has a hold over this world. We hear people crying out for an end to it to put an end to all the problems in the world. Um, I'm reminded of that, uh, and this is now telling you a bit about my age, that uh, Michael Jackson, when he wrote that song, Heal the World, <laughs> uh, make it a better place for you, for you and for me and the entire human race. Imagine if Michael Jackson was alive today and was looking at what we see um, through these eyes at what's taking 
place in this world? How much more do we long today for peace and happiness? Do you and I realise our actual need for healing? Do we actually realise our need for help? Remembering, realising in our need for perhaps our, our need for help is perhaps the first big step in the process of salvation. For you cannot be healed unless you realise that you are sick. I cannot be freed from sin until I realise that I am a sinner and that I need help and that I need to be healed and that I need my sins to be taken away. For it is my sins, the Bible says, that separate me from God. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But this morning, praise God, we, just like the centurion found the master physician, we too this morning, let me remind you that we have a master forgiver. Let's have a look there where the master forgiver says, says six beautiful words spoken by the master himself. If you come there into chapter 8 and verse 7 there, it says there, Jesus says to him, six beautiful words, I will go and heal him. I will go and heal him. Do you remember when you were a little kid and you're in primary school, in, 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 in junior school, and the teacher would ask you, I need someone to do an errand for me. I need someone to run this note to the office or I, I need someone to go and collect the, 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 the tuck shop or from the canteen. Uh, I need someone to go and get the basket of stuff. Oh, if you were anything like me, you were just like, yes, please, let me, let me go, let me go. I want to go, I want to go. And, and, and like you put your hands on your head, but you put your hand up because you're wanting to see and your faith is your face is screwed up because you so desperately want, want to go, please, miss, pick me, please, pick me. So eager to be involved in the activity that was required. When I read these words of Jesus, I think of his eyes. I see that same picture of me as a child eagerly waiting. I see that in, in, in Christ's eyes as he, as he stands up and he says, all eager, um, to go and, and, and say, yes, I want to go. I, I'm willing to go and, and heal him. In need, willing, waiting, all because someone had asked for his help. Yes, he says, I will go and heal him. Even before, it's interesting there, even before the centurion has asked him anything, Jesus is like, yes, I, I, I'll go. He says there, Lord, in verse 6, Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Suffering. Jesus says there in verse 7, I will go and heal him. Even before the centurion has even asked the question of help from him, Jesus is already eagerly waiting there and, and just goes, I will go and I will go and I will heal him. This reminds me of another time in history. And if you hold your hand there and flick across, or perhaps it's on your computer there, um, Romans 5 and verse 8, it says, But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Yes, while we were still sinners, he made the first move. He said, yes, I'm going to bring them back to me. Yes, I'm, I'm not just going to let them die. I'm going to bring them back and I'm going to restore them to me. This morning, my friends, Jesus himself says, yes, I will go. He said, I will go to the cross of Calvary for us. Not only did it make, not only did he make the first move thousands of years ago on Calvary, but today he stands at the door. There's that beautiful picture of him standing at the door and he's knocking and he's watching, he's waiting to heal someone. Anyone of us who are in need of help, any one of us who is in need of a saviour. You know, there's that beautiful picture that you see in the hangs in the art um, halls of, of the world and, and perhaps you've seen it as a child of Jesus standing at the door and he's knocking. There's a beautiful part to that picture that, that is, is not in that picture, but it speaks a whole sermon in the picture. And that's that there is no door handle to the door that Christ is knocking on. And the artist wanted to give the impression and, and tell the story or the sermon through the, the piece of art that he painted that in fact the door that Christ is knocking on is our heart. And the reason it doesn't have a door handle um, on his picture is that the door handle is, is on the inside and can only be opened from the inside Today, he's standing at the door and he's knocking, watching, waiting, wanting to heal someone. Any one of us, any one of you this morning who is in need of help and is in need of saving and is in need of a saviour, for you have, uh, have you a life this morning that is sin, is full of sin? Are you feeling like that you just struggle against it, struggle? Do you feel like you're dying spiritually? Do you feel that you're in need of help? Well, I want to say to you this morning that Christ is standing right here. He's standing by your heart's door, waiting, eagerly waiting. Pick me, pick me. Waiting like a child eagerly waits. He wants to say, he wants you to say, and he wants me to say, Christ, I'm sick, I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of help. Reminds me of that, that hymn, the Saviour is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world can keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time, you remember it? Time after time he has waited before and now he is waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. What is your answer to him? I'm reminded of those words of that beautiful hymn, um, about Christ eagerly wanting to come in and abide with us. This morning, having the faith that we can be healed. My friends, realising that you're a sinner and asking for healing is one thing, but believing it, isn't that always the truth? Believing it is another. Let's read verse 8 and 9 there. It says, the centurion replied, Lord, do not... I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the words and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one to go and he goes 
and I tell one to come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Here we find, as a centurion drawing, an amazing parallel, and it's an amazing parallel for a heathen to actually, to actually draw in the matter of Christ coming to heal his servant. The, the centurion draws on the example of when he orders a soldier to do something, he knows that the orders will be, will be carried out. And from this, he knows and he believes that the mere words of Jesus can heal. He shows a great faith. He recognises that Jesus didn't need to perform some special ritual or magic to heal or, or to help anyone. The centurion knows that Jesus has the authority of God. And since God the Father was all-powerful, the mere words of Jesus were sufficient enough to heal his servant. He knew that Jesus, the great healer, was not bound by distance. How amazing is that? You ever seen that had a, 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 an amazing wow factor? Um, a wow factor of 10? Ever seen a jaw drop um, in amazement? It's a bit like Pastor... Um, Pastor Pablo and me this week when we watched the Rabbitohs game. We thought we were going to lose, but then our mouths dropped as we saw them come through. Um, an amazing factor, a wow factor. Uh, we see this often in the games that we love to watch uh, when things change. We see it like, and I remember like watching cartoon comics and, and, and the mouth drops and the, the tongue rolls out and rolls along the ground. <laughs> How about that? A, a wow factor of 10. Jesus was astonished and he was, and he marveled. You know that this was not the one and only time in the gospel that refers to Jesus being astonished and marveling at something. And that, and, and if you, if you come across to Mark 6 and verse 6, this is very in, in, important. If we come across there, Mark 6 and verse, and verse 6, we see another time when Jesus was amazed and marveled. Verse 6 and verse 6. It talks there about he, if you go back to verse 5 there, it says he could not do any miracles there um, except lay hands on a few people, a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So here, a wow factor for Jesus, amazed at the lack of faith of someone, uh, and, and, and a situation. But here we find the centurion and, 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 and he was amazed at his faith, but in the positive. We see there in verse 5, we read that um, we notice that Jesus said the all-powerful Son of God could not do anything. He couldn't do any miracles. Why? In verse 6 it says, because of the people's lack of faith. It puts it all into perspective. How important is faith this morning? I want to suggest to you it is very important. For things cannot be achieved if people do not believe. What a big statement that is, that Christ himself restricted in what he could do because of the faith of the people that surrounded him. 
Christ wants to heal each one of our lives. He wants to take away our sins, but we must believe that he is able to do it. We must know that, yes, Jesus loves me so much. He died for me and he will forgive my sins. It's, it is by faith in Jesus and in his death and in his power to overcome sin that we are saved. To help us understand how important faith is, Jesus then paints a picture for us in, in, in verse 11 back there in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11 uh, through to 12 where, where, where it reads there, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and the kingdom in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You see, the Jews thought that they could inherit salvation. Simply put, they thought that they could walk right through those pearly gates all because they'd kept the commandments since their childhood. Heaven was their birthright because they were Jews. I'd hate to think that we would be like Jews in this, in this sense, in, 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 in our story. But Jesus is saying here, there is no place for these people. Sure, they're good people, but they have no faith. They didn't recognize their sins. They did not, uh, they didn't believe in the healing power of the cross. This morning, Castle Hill Church family, what about you? What about me? Is salvation for you something that we just simply earn? Or is it simpler and better than that? In Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 itself says, found, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they might be saved. It's Jesus Christ who should be lifted up in this church. It's Jesus Christ who should be preached from this pulpit. It's Jesus Christ who should be put before our young people. It's Jesus Christ who should be the banner that hangs in front of our churches for our community and the world to know. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the salvation comes by believing that he died and by believing that he can heal our sinful bodies, by believing that there is no sin or sinner too lost, that he cannot stretch out his arms in love and bring them back. Remembering that an arm stretched out to help someone is only as good as the person in need of help stretching out his or her arm in faith and believing. What is faith? A popular acronym for faith is forsaking all, I take him. Forgetting everything else in this world, I, Richie, Pastor Richie, take my Jesus. I take his death on the cross as my own. I take his word that someday that he's coming back. I take his word that he is able to heal me. What else will get me to that heavenly feast? but to accept and believe in Jesus Christ as my personal saviour. We see a beautiful ending and a conclusion to this story in verse 13. 
there where it speaks about Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. Note very carefully the words of Jesus, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Understand this carefully. The centurion expected his servant to be healed. He went to Jesus in expectation and Jesus said to him, you believed, then it is done. Your faith has been the determining factor. Castle Hill Church family, there is no greater lesson to be learned from this passage this morning. The ball is in our hands. If we... If you or I are down and out, if we're feeling at the lowest point this morning in our life, Jesus is standing by, ready, waiting. Pick me, pick me. Ready, waiting and willing and wanting to help. And, and he's just looking for you to give him the okay and to say, yes, Jesus, I believe Yes, Jesus, I believe that you are my friend. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you are my saviour, that you are my only help. Please, Lord, help me. You're my only hope. You know, when I, in conclusion, as I, I think about this, my friends, we're all sinners and deserving death. We all need healing we need saving. And I pray this morning as we've traveled through this text and as you go back and you, 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 you contemplate this, this text and, and God's desire for healing for us today, um, I pray that you realize that because Jesus is standing by each day ready and waiting to be your savior. He wants to live in your heart. He wants to be your redeemer. He, and he's wanting to know if you will accept his gift. But more importantly, do you believe this morning that he can save you? Do you have faith in him? I guess there's been times at my lowest point in, in my life, my short life, when I felt that um, there was no one there that I could reach, could reach me. And, um, and Jesus said to me, he said, Richie, my child, I love you. You are mine. He stretched out his arms and his hands and he says, take hold. I can help you. I want to help you. I believed and I believed that he could because he said he would. I'm wondering this morning, are you willing to receive that help from Christ? Are you in need of healing? because Christ is willing to heal you and to help you this day. I need, there's, a, there's an old hymn that the words say, I need no other evidence, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and rose again for me. God bless you, church family, as you continue to look into this piece of scripture and discover through the centurion's eyes, the fact that Jesus was willing to save and to heal and he gives us each that same opportunity in our lives 
to come and to heal and to save each one of us. May God bless you this morning and may God bless um, this piece of scripture that we have shared. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for the story of the centurion. Um, great lessons that we can learn and, and uh, we've only just spent a short time looking at this story, but there's so much to be found in this story that unpacks and tells about the kind of God you are in our life. Lord, there might be some of us today that need uh, that healing and, um, and need physical healing, Lord, and I want to pray um, that you will be the God of those who are struggling through health right now. Um, that, Lord, they, that you might be found by them. But Lord, as we've looked here into the scriptures and this morning we've talked about an even greater healing that needs to take place within each one of our lives and that's the spiritual healing. And sometimes, Lord, our bodies won't be healed but our spiritual bodies will be healed in preparation for your return. And Lord, this morning we've looked at that and I pray that we... Um, that you might be found by us, Lord, in our desperation and our, and our need, that just like the, the centurion found a master healer, our master physician, we too might find in you a master healer for our spiritual and broken lives. Lord, be with us all. Continue to bless this church and its journey. Continue to bless each one as we continue to grow together as a community of faith and as we support each other in this journey of faith together is my prayer for this congregation in Jesus' name. Amen.